Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to the second class in our series on witnesses to the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is uh, being recorded around Easter 2023 as a two-part series for the Thames Valley Churches of Christ. Last week, we looked at the witnesses to the crucifixion and the burial. This week, the witnesses to the resurrection, and in particular, one of the witnesses. And we're going to be looking at what we can learn about love for Jesus, about discipleship, and about many other things particularly as we look at the response, the experience of Mary Magdalene. So first of all, who was at the tomb? Who witnessed the resurrection or who was around the events of the resurrection? I'm going to put a graphic on screen here if you're watching the video. And you'll see that we have the other Mary, whoever she actually was, the others, meaning some more women, Salome, Joanna, Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James. And we're going to focus particularly on the experiences of Mary Magdalene and what that might tell us. But going to the text in particular that I'd like to focus on in John chapter 20, we first of all find that Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. She sees that a stone has been removed from the entrance in verse 1. She goes running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. They've taken the Lord, don't know where they put him. Peter goes to the tomb. The other disciple outruns Peter. They bend over, look in, and they don't go in, but they look in. And uh, then they then they leave and they go back to where they were staying. So they don't witness anything. They see an empty tomb. But they don't encounter Jesus. There's something different here for Mary Magdalene. Even though now Jesus has been resurrected, I don't think we can say at this point that Peter and the other disciple are witnesses of the resurrection because they've only seen an empty tomb. However, Mary from verse 11, she's standing outside the tomb crying and she's weeping. She looks into the tomb. She sees two angels where Jesus's body had been and they ask him why she's, why, ask her why she's crying. They've taken my Lord away. She can't bear to be separated from him. I don't know where they put him. Then she turned around and sees Jesus standing there, doesn't realize it's him. And he asks her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? And she thinks he's the gardener and asks, uh, where, where have you put the body? I'll go and get him. And then Jesus said in verse 16, Mary, Mary. She turned towards him, cries out in Aramaic. She obviously recognizes him. Rabboni, which means teacher. Then Jesus says, don't hold on to me. Presumably she's trying to. She's kind of making, making a grab for his feet or something. I've not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. So what does she do, Mary Magdalene? It says she went to the disciples with the news. What was this news? I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. She told them what he had said that he'd said these things to her. What an amazing experience for Mary Magdalene, who was there actually at the tomb and is the first witness to the resurrection. So what did she experience? Let's talk about that for a minute and then apply it to ourselves. What does Mary Magdalene experience here? First of all, well, primarily I would say, she experiences not just, if you like, the risen Lord, which is amazing, but she experiences the gentleness of Jesus. I mean, think about this for a moment. This is the most extraordinary thing that's ever happened in human history, other than the creation and the incarnation, you could say. I mean, the resurrection has never happened before, never happened, will happen again in this sense. And Jesus is the one who's experienced that. Wouldn't you be bouncing off the walls uh, or, or around the garden in this context and excited? And when you get excited, wouldn't you want to, like, want to tell everybody? But Jesus, when he encounters the weeping Mary... He is gentle with her. When I get excited, I'm much less gentle than I otherwise would be. Not so Jesus. He notices her emotional state. She's crying. She's weeping. She's not seeing straight in every sense of the word. But he then doesn't correct her. 
He's not saying, what are you doing crying? What's wrong with you? Didn't you realize this was going to happen? Remember, Mary was a disciple of Jesus. She's been traveling with him for, what, one, two, three years, heard all of his teachings, seen all of his miracles, experienced his power in her life. She's the one from whom seven demons were driven out, Luke chapter 7, I think. And yet, or maybe 8, you can check it, you can look it up yourself. And yet, even though she's heard all that and she should know about the resurrection, like the men, male disciples, he doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't tell her off. She, he doesn't correct her. He refrains from any accusation. He simply asks questions. There's no negative comment. And then he commissions her, sends her out, sends her off. He connects with her personally, doesn't he? That's the other beautiful thing here. It's like John chapter 10, verse 3. He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. He doesn't say disciple. He doesn't say woman. He does at the beginning. But once she knows who he is, and then he says, Mary. I wish I could have heard how he said that, wouldn't it? It must have been endearing. It must have been beautiful. Certainly it was beautiful in the ears of Mary. She says, Rabboni. She is so excited. He knows our names, by the way. Part of the gentleness of Jesus is in the fact that he knows our name and he calls you by name and he listens to your prayers by name. He hears my prayers. He hears yours. And they're not just some like random collection of prayers and words that come to him. He hears your prayers as your prayers coming from your heart. There's a beautiful song called He Knows My Name. You may know it. I put a link in the show notes to a performance of that by Don Moen. It's, it's, there are many others out there. But he does know your name and he listens to you. I expand on this point about gentleness a bit more in my latest Quiet Time Coaching episode, which I've put the links to in the show notes. So you can always go and have a look at that. Now, let's think about what this tells us about faith and about love for Christ. Well, just like at the cross and at the burial site, we're seeing, we're seeing discipleship in action, aren't we? Uh, discipleship in action, as displayed in particular by the marginalized in society. Joseph of Arimathea was a bit of a marginalized disciple. He was kind of in the shadows along with Nicodemus. Mary Magdalene and the other women were sort of marginalized, at least in that society. They are not the most prominent disciples in the Gospels, though they are there. But what we find here at the resurrection is that they are highlighted. It's like the spotlight has been turned away from the apostles and the people you might expect. And that spotlight has been turned on Mary Magdalene, someone who otherwise would be marginalized. Mary is determined to be close to Jesus, even in his death. She goes back to the tomb. That's commitment, being committed to a dead body, at least as she would expect it to be. She wants then, when she actually sees him, to hold him. She wants to be that intimate, that close. She wants to touch him. And whether she actually does or not, because he says, don't hold on to me, we're not entirely sure, but that's what she wants. She wants to be with him, physically connected. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? And she is willing and eager to obey Jesus by taking the message to the apostles, even though, let's be frank, it wouldn't have made any sense to them. And in fact, we know that they've been to the tomb and they were already confused and just gone back again. They haven't hung around. So she's willing to be obedient, willing to be a missionary. She's brave, even though she must be so afraid. She had the courage to witness to Jesus when she goes back to talk to them, even though she would most likely be dismissed. Her testimony would not be normally accepted in that context. I mean, what was she thinking as she made her way back to find the apostles again? Um, but she's, com she's compelled by the truth of what she's seen, the excitement of what she's feeling, but mostly by love. By love, because 
she went to find them, even though she didn't know exactly what or how or why the events of the resurrection had happened. She laid herself open to ridicule, but she had seen the one she loved. And she wanted to tell everybody else. There are lots of references to fear in Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10, in a parallel passage to this. You might like to look at, and Jesus has to say again and again, and the other people involved, all the angels have to say, don't be afraid. And she overcame her fear because of love and excitement. So what does this mean for you and me today? Well, firstly, I would suggest we may not always know how to articulate the message of the resurrection or how to explain it. And indeed, most may and probably will reject the message. But you and I can still be compelled in the right sense of compelled because it's true. And that truth has changed us because it's changed our relationship with Jesus. It's not just a, tr a theological truth, a propositional truth. It's something that has fundamentally changed us. Mary's relationship with, with Jesus ch it changed her. And seeing the risen Christ made her even more excited about who he was to her and to be with him. You and I, in one sense, have met the risen Christ. And he has forever transformed us. And so that's what we need to know most of all. If you're feeling uh, timid in your evangelism, as I often do, then the thing to talk about or the thing to think about is not so much how do I explain this in detail in the way that it's going to make sense to somebody. It might not make sense. It didn't make sense to the apostles. It didn't make sense to other people. But that wasn't the point. The point was it was genuine. It was real. It was authentic. Mary's life had been changed and she really had had this encounter. And that fundamentally is what mattered. Let's keep that in mind as we think about how to articulate the message of the resurrection. It's about a personal connection with a transformational Messiah. The second thing I see in this passage is relevant for me anyway, is that is the reminder that I can act in loving obedience to Jesus despite the presence of fear. There are lots of things in my life and maybe in yours that cause us to feel afraid about the future and what's going on. But the truth is, we can act despite our fear. Mary was afraid, yet she did what she knew was right to do. We can do that, inspired by encounters with Jesus. This is one of the reasons we need these daily times of quiet with God, these devotional moments to get the strength and the courage from Jesus to be what we couldn't be without that. And the third thing I see here, which we already saw last time, which is that you don't have to be a some kind of super disciple to witness to the resurrection or to be useful to the kingdom of God. Mary was marginalized. The other main witnesses at this time were marginalized, the ones at the cross, the, the burial and the resurrection. They weren't the people you'd normally pick to be the uh, prominent front page of the magazine, a disciple. But you don't have to be. You can be, for want of a better term, an ordinary disciple and still be used magnificently for the kingdom of God. I see that message there as well. What about you? What do you take from this message, this encounter, what happens here in John chapter 20 between Mary and Jesus, the other, the other apostles? What, what do you take from it? What strikes you? So I hope in our family groups, our locations, our small group meetings, we can have some discussion about that and ask yourself, if you were in Mary's shoes, how would you feel? If you were in Jesus's shoes, how would you feel? If you were in Peter and the other disciples' shoes, how would you feel? What lessons do you take from this for your contemporary daily discipleship now? And how might this example of encounter with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, help you to be more devoted? To be devoted, to be, to be someone inspired by the presence and the love of Jesus now in your life to live for him. I wonder what you think. You see, here's the thing, just to conclude. 
perhaps the overall point here is not to lose sight of Jesus when we talk about the resurrection. Mary Magdalene was eager to take the message back to Peter and John, but what made her so excited was not some theological point, but that the one who loved her and the one she loved was alive. She had seen him. She had heard from him, and she had at least tried to touch him. This is who we worship, and this is who we follow. We can have confidence in him. Well, that'll do for today. I hope you find that useful. Do let me know what you think, uh, Malcolm at malcolmcross.org. If you've got suggestions for future classes, uh, I'd love to know, so please let me know. And the classes for May are going to be done by my friend Simon Dinney up in the Belfast Church. He's going to do two classes for us in May on the Kingdom of God. So look forward to those. They'll be coming out fairly soon. Until the next time, take care and God bless.